0: Our guest on this episode of The Fellowship Podcast by CMF International is Phil Tatum, the director of Global Scope, our international campus ministry branch. We'll hear Phil's story of how a boy from Georgia ended up serving God in Chile, and the power of influence that other people have on our lives. I'm your host, Jake Moore. Welcome to The Fellowship. Welcome to the Fellowship Podcast by CMF International. Uh, I'm Jake Moore, and I am joined today on this episode of the Fellowship Podcast by my good friend, Phil Tatum. Phil Tatum, the director of Global Scope. Phil, welcome uh, to the Fellowship Podcast, man.
1: Thanks, Jake. Great to be here. Pretty exciting. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's really exciting to have you here. I'm excited uh, today to hear more about your Ministry with Global Scope, but even to just get some background on how you got plugged in with CMF, how you got plugged in with Global Scope and your journey up to this point in your life. But I think we'll probably have to break it up into a couple of episodes to get to where you're at today. But first off, maybe tell me a little bit about your family because uh, I know a number of our CMF missionaries know who you are, but maybe they don't have the full picture of your family and your family makeup.
1: Yeah, we. So my wife and I, Maren and I, live here in Indianapolis. We have three kids. Maren and I served with CMF in Chile 2002 to 2006, and right after that moved back here to Indy. So we've been here in Indianapolis for 13 years, hard to believe. But we've got three kids. Luke is our oldest. He's 11 in fifth grade, finishing up fifth grade this week.
0: And taller than me, I will mention that. That guy is a beast. Five and seven, (laughs) I think, and again, yeah, how old? Of... Five foot seven, and how old? Oh, he just turned eleven. <laughs> I'm I'm forty one, and I'm not that tall. So. One day, maybe
1: when you grow up, you'll be five foot seven. Maybe, Jake. maybe. Uh, Hattie is our seven year old. <laughs> she's finishing up first grade this week as well, doing e learning. We are in COVID times here. Mm-hmm. And Molly, who's adopted, she's two and a half. She'll turn three in in September. She is the spunky one in our bunch and keeps us on our toes
0: yeah yeah all three of those kids are great and of course Marin is phenomenal as well she's even greater yeah you live in Indianapolis you are the director of global scope but you're not from Indiana originally correct I am not I'm from Georgia
1: originally I grew up uh northeast of Atlanta a little town called Duluth Duluth, all right. Named after Duluth, Minnesota. Long story there for another podcast, but uh yeah, yeah I grew up just northeast of Atlanta.
0: Like the pants know. people too, right? Like they make the pants.
1: Is that? Yeah, that's the Minnesota ones.
0: Okay, Duluth, Georgia sure.
1: doesn't have a ton going for it. <laughs> I think like a minor league hockey team and a minor league yeah. team. Yeah. <laughs>
0: hockey's huge in Georgia, right? Yeah, big time, big time. Man. <laughs> okay, you grew up in Duluth, man. Did you come from a Christian family? Uh, like, I mean, obviously, you work for CMF now, so you're a follower of Jesus. But was that a part of your history growing up?
1: It, it was my. I grew up in church back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night in church. We grew up in a. I grew up in a small Baptist church there in Duluth, and spent my whole life. Most of my family, actually, extended family. We're all believers as well. So faith was very much a part of a part of my upbringing. I, um, you know, started following Jesus, really don't remember not following Jesus, but got baptized pretty young. And that was faith was just a part of our life. And I I owe a lot of my heritage and legacy, I think, to my parents and my family.
0: Mm -hmm. It was just like built into the DNA of your family. Yeah, so yeah, you I, guys weren't Creasters, just Christmas and Easter. First. No, no, we we're <laughs>
1: solid. Da- like at one point, my dad—I think my dad was interim music minister for like eleven years at wow. our church. So did, you was, did you get some of that gifting? Did you get some of that gifting? Can you see? Not. <laughs> I did three years of piano and and didn't like it. Sorry, mom. Uh, if you're <laughs> but no, I'm the I'm like the one person that doesn't play an instrument in my family. Unfortunately,
0: nice, nice. Yeah, we're well, very so,
1: involved.
0: Yeah, so. What was junior high and high school like for you, man? Were you involved with sports? You you said piano. Did you do the band thing? Like, what was that like Uh, for you?
1: Well, junior high and or middle school and high school, as we said in Georgia, uh, Mm. it was awkward, like (laughs) for everyone. Uh, I was involved in sports. I played football, basketball, baseball growing up. Uh, Mm. By I think by high school, I figured out even though i really really love sports and i even kind of look athletic yeah i think uh, oh
0: yeah oh yeah you totally do <laughs> i'm
1: not actually that athletic so i enjoyed right. sports for as long as i could i played as much as i could mm-hmm. but i saw pretty quickly that that wasn't going to
0: get it me. wasn't going to get you a scholarship to college or something like that not <laughs> a college that
1: anyone has heard of so i remember nice. so i played playing freshman baseball uh, I remember our coach asked, there were like 14 of us on the team. Maybe he's like, raise your hand if you want to play college baseball. And everybody, you're supposed to raise your hand. I look around, I'm the only person without my hand down. He's like, <laughs> what are you going to do? I was like, go to Georgia Tech and be an engineer. He's like, all right. Well, for the rest of you.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> that is so, so awesome. Now, So, so what knew. year? what year was that? You said that was your junior year?
1: Oh, no, that was freshman year of high school, so it would have oh, been dang. like 90, 93, 94.
0: So you, were you on a trajectory to go to Georgia Tech from the get-go? Was that along with your faith in Christ? Was your family like faith in Georgia Tech kind of thing? You know, well, like it a was a part of the family fabric as well?
1: Well, my my nuclear family, it was. I come from yeah. an extended family that mm-hmm. are mostly Uga dog fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my nuclear family, we were Georgia Tech fans, and my dad – My dad really should have gone to Georgia Tech. He Mm. uh, should have, but didn't. So from a pretty early age, I was thinking along those lines. It happened to line up with my gifting. Math and science Mm. were always things that I was pretty good at. But the funniest was when I was a little kid, people would ask me like, hey, Phil, what do you want to be when you grow up? And my (laughs) answer was either a stand-up comedian or an electrical engineer. (laughs)
0: that's a great you know mix right there or that? like yeah, you yeah.
1: Can guess which one i want your to be. life is
0: in the balance to be to be. yeah <laughs> your
1: but life so is- by school uh i don't know what happened to the stand-up comedian career i'm still trying i guess yeah I try hard but uh engineering seemed to be the route i i, I didn't I actually still don't know what an electrical engineer does but um <laughs> math and time makes sense georgia tech's a great school in state, you know all that yeah. so i did uh, by high school, I kind of knew where I wanted to go to college.
0: Now, where were you in the pecking order
1: of siblings? So you... I was the oldest and, okay. and only boy. I've got three younger
0: sisters. Okay. Only boy, three girls. Nice. But did they all follow you to Georgia Tech as well?
1: No. So I had I had one sister who followed me, number three. So number two mm. went to – she went to play softball at like a junior college and then went to the University of Georgia, that other school. Mm. Uh, and then Joanna <laughs> went to Georgia Tech, she uh-huh. was, um, uh, studied building construction management there. And then my youngest sister went to North Georgia.
0: Man, oh man, you guys and your engineering gearing, man. I I just can't relate. You know, I'm hanging out in the arts. You know, focused <laughs> on, hist- on history. On I, history, I was one of those studs that majored in history and minored in art history. That's right. Wow, right. hey. super super useful. Yeah, that's my
1: father-in-law, I think, did that. Mm-hmm. He did like Chinese art history and nice. ended up selling home. So um, <laughs>
0: we all have yeah. our own paths. We do, we do. Well, when it comes to your faith through middle school, through high school, was that still like a big part? Did it become your own outside of just a family at some point in there, or was that really more during your college years when your faith really became your own?
1: Uh, well, it was definitely, I would say, college years. Faith... Uh, I, I never left the faith through middle school or high school, but, and it was always there. Church was certainly a part of things, but I, I was, I was one of those kids trying to walk a couple different paths. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't a great athlete. I wasn't all that cool, but I was trying to be, I was just <laughs> kind of trying to find my way. And it, it kind of felt like that being a Christian for one thing that I, I just got, I think unintentional, not from my church upbringing, but like, that being a Christian was all about following the rules and doing the right mm-hmm. thing, and so I was. Uh, and I don't know if this is part of being an oldest, but just I, I wanted everyone to like me and be a people yeah. believer. And so at church, I was, you know, rocking the Bible drill, and then would go out with mm-hmm. my friends and do uh, some non-Christian, very non-Christian <laughs> things. Later, yeah, I was, we I kind of got into the. Uh, we've talked about this before, but like the <laughs> punk and hardcore. Oh yeah, that's um, right. Music scene. So I was. I was this hodgepodge (laughs) trying to find myself and find my people. And Mm. for sure, faith did not become, I would say, my own until I was at Georgia Tech, at CCF specifically.
0: So that really does lead well into like my next question for you. So faith became your own at Georgia Tech and with this campus ministry, uh, Christian Campus Fellowship there at Georgia Tech, was it? something where like from the first week of your freshman year you met people and started going or did you do like some people like start your sophomore year like how did you get plugged in with ccf even
1: so i had grown up in an atlanta suburb ccf was kind of in the in the 90s it may be still today but kind of a big deal i had heard Uh in my youth group i had heard about ccf no way that's cool which is which is interesting i grew up in a baptist church but i heard about ccf and a couple of older girls from my youth group mm-hmm. were at Georgia Tech. And I, I did have the idea of, okay, I want to check out Campus ministries. I remember thinking, I'm going to check them out, all, all of them, right? I want right. to go to the Wesley Center, mm-hmm. go to Newman Center, go, check mm-hmm. them all out. But the first week, they were like, we're going to come get you and take <laughs> you to CCF with us.
0: These girls from your, from your youth group.
1: Yeah, older yeah. girls
0: from my youth group came, picked me up, drove
1: mm-hmm. me over. And I remember getting there and being – Just kind of blown away, this packed house. There were people sitting outside. One of my favorite places to sit Mm -hmm. back in the day at CCF was actually outside the window
0: in a Mm -hmm. folding
1: chair because it would be a (laughs) couple hundred students in there. It was so hot. So hot, I would sweat. So I would sit outside and duck my head in. That sounds like
0: biblical, man. Like (laughs) Right? Right. It was
1: was quite, it feels like it. uh, Yeah. Epic biblical proportion. So I went and I just remember a few things striking me. One being our our campus minister, Rick Harper, Mm -hmm. hearing this guy speak and the, just the vulnerability that he had was Mm -hmm. something that I think connected with me on a deep level. Again, I was talking about how growing up, it felt like, okay, to be a Christian and certainly to be a minister, you better have it all together. Yeah. And here was Rick. He comes up and starts talking <laughs> and, and he's talking about real issues and yeah. real struggles. And I just, I hadn't heard that from the pulpit growing mm. up that I could remember. And I connected with that. And then just seeing this community, it Jake, it blew me away to see however many it was, 200, 250 yeah who at a time when most people are walking away from their childhood faith these people yeah. are pursuing Jesus and i mean there were electric guitars and a drum this <laughs> was a deal in the 90s yeah. I mean, my church growing up so that was yeah. pretty cool
0: they're but, bringing the rock and roll that you were kind of into too to yeah, to the, to the exactly. worship not
1: quite punk worship
0: <laughs> but uh getting close yeah. yeah and
1: all that i I was just intrigued by this community of people at a, at a very difficult place i think. Mm. To pursue faith and believe in God and believe in Christian, believe in Jesus. Uh, it was not easy to be a Christian in Jordan. Yeah. Pack, but there, yeah. here was this uh, this community trying to pursue God. And so I just got pulled in from week one and yeah. I never I never checked out those other campus. <laughs> That's awesome. They're probably great. They're probably yeah. good, but I never they went. They probably
0: are. God, God bless them, but you never went and bless visited. Yeah. I kind of had a similar experience. Uh, you know, got locked in with one and just stayed in all four years. That was mine. Um, Those two words you mentioned, vulnerability and community. I think those are really intriguing words. And w- was that what just kept making you go back? Was like those two things almost going hand in hand?
1: Yeah, I think the like I said, the first things that struck me is like, this is a real, a real authentic kind mm-hmm. of place Yeah. in the community. Even, even as I showed up, I wasn't a part of that community yet, but clearly there's something here. It was just, it was a buzz. Uh, yeah. You know, Oh, dude, Georgia tech reference there. Uh, <laughs> unintentional pun. <unintended. laughs> mm. uh, but then I started to meet, they clump you together, all the Mm -hmm. freshmen, there was a freshman group we'd meet. I think it was Monday nights and all of a sudden community was not just this big thing, but I I was drawn into community. And those who my those are who my very first friends, my high school friends that went to Georgia tech with me within weeks, they were gone and I kind of never saw them again, but I got pulled into this broader community, the freshman community at Georgia tech CCF and just, that sucked me in and in a good way.
0: Yeah. Um, So then walk me through those four years. Like what did your involvement look like? Was it just as a freshman, you're just like a sponge soaking up everything. At what point did you get involved? Like with student leadership at CCF is, how does that work out for you? How did that work out for you?
1: Yeah. There's kind of a tiered system at CCF. One of of the great things about that ministry is their leadership structure. And so your first year, you're, you're a freshman. Uh, the idea is to to build community, to make some friendships, to participate. So I pretty quickly, I went on the retreats they were doing, mm-hmm. started going to some small group Bible studies, getting in some accountability groups and just building relationships. And by the end of of my freshman year, they asked all of us who had been involved, Do you want to be a sophomore, a servant leader next year?" Mm-hmm. And so I stepped into that. It was the next logical thing. and, uh, from there, there were other leadership groups. I was in a yeah. uh, help lead a prayer group one year. I was in senior leaders later mm-hmm. on, but, I again, just got drawn into this community and was given, I think, increasing responsibility as I grew, uh, as I, as I aged, but also matured somewhat, um, yeah. <laughs> was given more and more responsibility as mature
0: to, as you can be, I Yeah, know,
1: yeah. uh, was given more responsibility within the community. Yeah.
0: So at what point in those were you did you do 4 years, 5 years five. at Georgia Tech? 5 yeah. years, you were one of the the what and they call it year year 5, right? You don't do freshman, sophomore, right. you do first, first second, year, second, third, fourth. Year. Yeah, I also <laughs> Interesting. Got, my
1: excuse, my excuse here is I co-op. So mm-hmm. I worked, I would work a semester and then go to school a semester back and forth. So I got some work experience. During those five years, uh, but pretty typical for the the engineering student to kind of work and then take five. Yeah.
0: I wanted to know at what point in those five years did you first interact with CMF and with this idea of global scope? You know, for us now in 2020, we think of uh, Christian Campus Fellowship and uh, Georgia Tech CCF and uh, Auburn Christian Fellowship as like these cornerstone partners of the global scope ministry. It's just like second nature. It's just, it's just built into this relationship, but that wasn't the case. You're class of 97. I'm class of 97. Yep. Those were the early days of these discussions of CMF, CCF and global scope. So maybe could you flesh out that picture for us a little bit? What did that look like for you, but then even for the ministry at that time?
1: yeah it was it was pretty exciting time to be a part of ccf because these discussions were happening maybe even before i started there between mm-hmm. cmf leadership and rick harper it it really came out of the reach summer internships
0: okay yeah that's georgia right. tech
1: would send sometimes as many as 10 students wow. to do reach internships and cmf noticed these high quality mm-hmm. students digging into ministry in the different places around the world so Naoma and Herb Works and Doug Priest, these people mm-hmm. were thinking, what can we do together with Georgia Tech? And the legend has it <laughs> that Rick Harper was approached, I believe by Naoma at first mm-hmm. and with the idea of planting churches in Thailand.
0: Wow, Rick doing it.
1: Right, doing that together with CMF. <laughs> and he said, no, thanks. Uh, that's <laughs> the edited version. Uh, no, I got in planting churches. So Naoma went back to Indy, went back to the drawing board. And then the next idea that was planted while the, the palaches were actually in Mexico city field missionaries. Naoma came to Rick and said, what about planting a campus ministry in Mexico city? What would you think about that? And that wow. uh, perked up at that. Yeah. Idea. That's something that, that he knew that, that seemed like a good fit there. And so that was late nineties. Then, fall 2000 is actually when mexico city the very first global scope location was was planted okay. uh and and so it was exciting to be around it, it i didn't it wasn't something i thought of personally at the time mm-hmm. I, I just thought it was a cool thing to be a part of i was a part of helping promote at first yeah. global scope, approach, but I, it wasn't in the realm i was still thinking engineering i'd switched to industrial engineering i was working at coca-cola like I had this plan for my life mm-hmm. uh, as that first global scope is being launched. Great. That's fantastic. Yeah. You guys go, we're praying for you. Maybe I'll support you once I get that. Yeah. Job. So but you're,
0: it, you're doing the co-op thing. You're an engineer and you're in your fourth year at that point. Mm-hmm. They're launching this brand new global scope ministry. The first one ever Mexico city. And yeah, you're saying, Okay. Love you guys. Hoping to support you guys. God bless you. You know, you're involved in the ministry, but at CCF, but you don't feel like you should be involved in the ministry in Mexico city. What sparked the change? What was the genesis for moving then into actual global scope ministry?
1: Yeah. So it was that fourth year was a big one for me. Mm -hmm. I had a couple things happened. I had a, had a relationship and, uh, I was also starting just to think about, Okay, is this what I really want to do? As I looked around at my at my job, Mm -hmm. thought, is this what Mm -hmm. I want to give my life to? And I love Coca-Cola, like yeah, yeah. (laughs) death before Pepsi man. But
0: (laughs) Georgia boy right there. I just got to
1: thinking, is this what I want to give my life to? Mm -hmm. So I started this kind of introspective time. And at the same time, Mm -hmm. you know, from the beginning, who gives the name Global Scope? to a partnership between Georgia Tech Christian Campus Fellowship and CMF in Mexico City. Like from the beginning, Mm -hmm. the dream was to go broader than that. Yeah, And so very quickly, they were already scouting out a couple different potential locations. And it was one of those scouting trips to Santiago where they came back, the team, and said, you know what, Phil, like the need is huge. There are 300,000 college students. There's hardly any campus ministry to speak of. We want to go. We want to plant, and your name kept
0: coming up. We want Man. you to go with us. So the people that were talking at that point who who are we talking about? Like who were these influences? Were they other se- students, other fourth, fifth year seniors that were looking to graduate? Who were the who were the voices at that? So point Rick was
1: Rick was definitely a part of that. But, mm-hmm. but Mark Fifield and Heather Quiggle, mm-hmm. people who were on the initial launch team, a couple other mm-hmm. people who never uh, ended up doing global scope uh brian sorrow being one of them that i remember Mm -hmm. sitting down with them in rick's office and them pitching that i think aaron mcdade was actually on really
0: wow that initial
1: scouting trip she ended up you know going to a different field later Mm -hmm. but yeah these friends of mine along with rick um right at this time when i was really praying like god if there is something else for my life Hmm. now would be a good time to let me know as if god needed me to you know, <laughs> inform him of my plan it's so engineering right. i pray like an engineer still yeah uh yeah. by the way lord um, <laughs> good timing for you um yeah and they came forward with that and all of a sudden things started to make sense i thought about hmm. what what had been most impactful for me during my time at georgia tech it was not stochastics and uh mm. my logistics class was interesting yeah. but not that is interesting my optimization it was all about ccf and my involvement the deepening of my faith the struggles mm-hmm. i've been through and having a community to walk through that with me that's really what was life-changing for me and the and the idea of being able to create that kind of community for a student like me in another country like honestly, it almost felt as I got to to pray about, it, and I got to go on a scouting trip, check out Santiago. Yeah. Everything felt great. It almost, at some point, felt like it would have been disobedient for me to not go do
0: that. Really? Wow, that's yeah, pretty that significant. Like this, I just feel
1: like this is this is what I am called to, at least for now. I, I didn't make any grand plans. I signed mm-hmm. up for a whopping two years.
0: Yeah, of a all right.
1: Commitment on a launch <laughs> team, but it just felt like what what god was calling me to
0: man that's really really cool so w- at what point did you do the vision trip to santiago like they did this you mentioned this crew went and did one came back your name kept coming up at what point then were you like wrestling with it and said i gotta go see for myself
1: that was shortly after so i think that initial scouting trip was sometime early 2001 maybe even in february march and then that next trip was April or May, just a couple months later, they realized they didn't have a complete team. And there was a mm-hmm. lot of interest at this time. At one point we were talking about maybe sending two teams. Cause wow. is such a big city. Like maybe we'll send two teams down there.
0: We <laughs> didn't,
1: didn't end up coming together, but it was, yeah. it was really still early 2001 okay. that, that we went on that second scouting trip. Marin was on that trip as well. And uh, we both, decided to move forward with, with chile
0: so at what point did you meet Marin and start dating was it pre chile was it you know in that fourth fifth year of your time yeah we had at met georgia
1: tech? a little earlier she played volleyball at georgia tech and till she got uh, she had a shoulder surgery had an injury it didn't the rehab didn't work so she started getting involved more like her third year our third year and I met her. She became friends with one of my friends, but I was, you know, dating somebody else at the time.
0: So we became really good friends. Such a player, dude.
1: Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So we became really good friends at the time, and then when that other
0: relationship
1: ended, we both kind of ended up sort of interested in Chile at the same time. We started dating around then. That would have mm-hmm. been that, that same fourth year. Uh, and I re- I remember us saying too, we were both feeling called. But I remember us saying, like, if one of us decides to move forward and the other doesn't, we just we should end this. Like the call that God is placing on our lives is more important than our relationship. And easy to see how that, you know, God was bringing all that together now. But at the time, it was like, listen, we're I don't want to get in the way of your call. And and she felt the same way, vice versa.
0: No, that's huge, because I know you work with college students still here in the United States making decisions. I do as well uh, as a mobilizer. And that's oftentimes the, the relationship thing is oftentimes one of the biggest problems, one of the biggest hurdles to get over of what if I don't meet someone? Uh, what if I have someone and they don't feel called? And so that's pretty phenomenal to hear that you guys both were saying, no, the calling trumps the relationship. And yet that's ended up being the thing that sounds like brought you guys together in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, in a lot of ways, I, I think it did. And it, and it worked out great. In the end, you know, we we did go and serve together for four years in Chile. Mm. The first we dated the first year on the field. This
0: uh-huh.
1: is the is <laughs> uh, controversy yeah. here back in the
0: day at CMF. Phil Tatum um, controversy.
1: Yeah, I remember having a conversation with David Giles about that. <laughs> it's like, so let me understand the the CMF rules here. So we mm. either need to rush to get married, or we need to get married and, and wait a while. Mm-hmm. What? And, uh, his response was, "Well, you know, with global scopes and things are changing." So, mm-hmm. so we got, we went to the field dating, seriously dating, uh, ended up getting engaged that first year during the first year of ministry, and we came back to Tampa where she was from after a year of ministry, got married, and then the next three years, of course, we're wow. married on the field together.
0: Well, I want to hear more about your your term of service with. CMF with global scope in Santiago, but I think we're going to need to save that for a second podcast. So let's plan on doing one together here uh, later. But as we wrap up this episode, I'd love to know just like some words of advice or thoughts on those fourth and fifth year seniors, those young adults that are around 22, 23 years old that are wrestling like you did with this idea of being a part of something bigger than themselves. Uh, But also weighing maybe some of the pressures uh, from family, uh, from their community, from society with getting a job that pays the bills or maybe, you know, pay some significant cash in some way. And how how do what would be your word of advice for someone, the the Phil Tatum uh, of 2020 or 2021 that is maybe wrestling with these same types of things, whether that be, you know calling things to listen for any words that you'd throw out there for for our listeners
1: yeah i'd love to i think one of the the important things for me was the the voices i was listening to i think we're i forget who says it but you are you are the average of your five closest friends and so Mm -hmm. the people who are around you who you you put around yourself you
0: know who said that jake i think it was andy stanley i think oh, isn't it that of course guy, he's, he's there, of like things. jesus andy stanley i think is like as far as quotable quotes right of <laughs> course he
1: said that but i i think that's true and i think it's important to take stock in who you're listening to and and what their their motivations are for me my my campus minister's voice was an important one he's i i think He's still an important voice in my life, but the way he spoke life into me and called things out of me that I didn't see in myself yet helped me step into that and helped me make brave decisions that my parents weren't really crazy about at the time. But between that and, you know, just realizing the passions that I had, the, the desire I had for for community and sharing what Mm. I had been a part of sharing Jesus with other students that got me excited. Yeah. I realized way more than like the career path I had been on. And I had, I had some great blessing. I walked out of school with no college debt,
0: which that made,
1: that made that decision easier, but I, I had to take stock and decide who, you know, whose voice am I going to listen to? And in the end, it felt like God was leading me in this direction. I had some wise counsel and, and I just tried to make, I didn't make some great lifelong, here's my lifelong commitment. It was mm-hmm. just a two-year commitment initially into what I thought I was passionate about, something that God had gifted me for, and something that God was leading me to. And oh, so huge. I I
0: encourage people to, to think about that. Who, who are the mm-hmm. voices
1: that you're listening to, and uh, what are they calling you towards?
0: Um, yeah. And it also doesn't mean that, Like sounds like with your commitment, it doesn't mean the rest of your life like taking those incremental steps, those small steps towards faithfulness. It sounds like God blesses and blessed for you.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: but he then multiplied that uh, over time. Yeah, Your I think a and, lot of you
1: know, times we get too much in our heads about the future and down the road. And am I going to get married? Is this going to be a lifelong thing? Mm, I think, yeah. you know, I love the AA thing. Do, do the next right thing. If you feel like God is calling you to take a step, take that step and don't worry about, you know, I've seen so many God provide in so many ways um, but sometimes we just get too much in our head. What about fifteen twenty years down the road when that's not that's that who
0: knows like yeah uh, exactly
1: what what is God calling you into right now and what's mm-hmm. the most faithful next step
0: yeah do the next right thing. I like that, man. That's good stuff. Well, Phil, I really appreciate you being on the podcast with me today and uh, for this episode and for giving me your time. I'm Grateful for you, man. You're awesome. And you guys, the listeners are awesome too. We're so grateful to have you be a part of the fellowship podcast with us. And I hope that you have been encouraged and challenged by Phil's story on this episode. Now get out there and connect with what God is doing in the world around you.